Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome Hello. To, welcome to Mile a Minute Movie Talk, episode 13. We got it right this time. 13, lucky number 13. Lucas and I have been very, very uh, busy watching a lot <laughs> of movies. Uh, so much so that we are now a day away from the end of January, uh, as of the, court, the recording of this video, and we've yet to talk about movies from December. Oh boy. So, uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, obviously, we missed Christmas and New Year's and Golden Globes and Oscar nominations. There's been a lot happening, so Luke's and I have a lot to talk about. I think we're just going to start from the top. And rewind time a little bit and share everything we watched in December. Yes, December, December. Because Lucas watched nearly twice as many films as I did, I'm going to allow him to lead the way and do two movie discussions per my one. We will do our best so that it almost seems like we watch the same amount of movies and he's not just talking about movies for 30 minutes straight. Hey guys, welcome to the Lucas Podcast. No. Um, so, uh, on that note, the first two movies I watched were both with you, so that's going to knock out both of your first two movies. <laughs> um, yeah. Unless you want me to skip around. No, go, we'll go we for have it. to do it chronologically. Chronological it order. It fate. What else would you want to watch on December 1st than... From acclaimed director John Woo, Silent Night. Um, Dylan liked this a little bit more than me, um, I'd say. Um, I think the idea of a non-dialogue action movie goes well if there's action, and the first 45 minutes there is no action. So it's kind of them trying to tell this story um, outside of the first like 10 minutes like action intro. It's a lot of them trying to tell the story of like this area and blah 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 and what happened without any actual dialogue. So that kind of got annoying after like thirty minutes. Uh, but once the once his plan went into uh, went into uh, action, uh, it got pretty good. Uh, I really like the soundtrack in this movie. I thought it was pretty cool, pretty cool, uh, like uh, electronic, like dark wave kind of style music. Uh, there's like a Grimes song in there too. It's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, this the the action was great. Choreography was great. Um, once it gets to that part, it's really worth it. Um, I enjoyed all of that. Um, what's his name was whatever in the film. Uh, the supporting actor, which his name is Kid Cuddy. Yes. Uh, um, forget his real name. Scott Miss Cuddy. Yeah. Detective Dennis Vassell. Uh, so yeah, he was fine. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't even know it was him at first. And I was like, oh yeah, that's Kid Cudi. He kind of looks small. They framed him very, like a small person at points. Uh, and then uh, Joel Kinnaman's great. I wish that he was in more action roles. He's great. Um, but yeah, uh, really cool lighting, really cool shot. All the action stuff was great. It just, that kind of slog at first did not do it for me. Yeah. Um, a Silent Night, I thought the, the gimmick of it was very interesting. And that kind of kept my interest throughout the film. Um, I just wanted to see how they could utilize the effect of no sound or no voices, dialogue, um, how they can go around telling their story, um, like that, because visual storytelling to me is like one of the most like hardest things to do in a film uh, effectively, 
mm-hmm. when it's done effectively, it really does elevate most films to a whole nother level. So the fact that this was kind of the goal of this film was just really fascinating. And I, I do think it was um, not the best film overall, but just a very enjoyable action film as a whole. And I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of issues with it other than some of the things Lucas pointed out. I do think, yeah, it does drag for a little bit because it can only do so much with this premise. So it kind of feels like they're stretching the runtime. Mm-hmm. But I'd say if you're an action fan, if you're a John Woo fan, it is 100% worth watching just for that. Yeah. For anyone, else, for anyone else, like looking for like a really serious, well done film, like maybe you skip it. I don't know. I'd say it's entertaining though. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty just schlocky action film. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much the best you can say about it. Like fun, dumb action film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, uh, that night we watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Or sorry, The Bad and The Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah, um, that was that was pretty fun. Uh, it's it's an out there kind of like story, very like all over in like what they're doing. There's like a lot of things, a lot of characters, and you kind of got like follow it along differently. Um, but I was I was definitely into it. Um, uh, obviously, really good actors, ones that you've seen if you've watched a lot of like Korean cinema, uh, King Oh Song, uh, Jung Woo Sung, the two that I remembered most. But um, there was just really well done action scenes. The story, like the characters talking at points, kind of just went on for too long, and the movie felt like it could have been shorter in that aspect. But um, the story, what they were telling, was great, and. Um, just the action scenes were well done. There's kind of like a, at the end, there's kind of like a Mad Max uh, Fury Road action scene, but like mm-hmm. set in like 19, whatever, uh, early 1900s Mongolia, which was really fun, uh, or Manchuria. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was very like, uh, my description was kind of like a mummy light. Like, even though it's not about, it doesn't really have a horror aspect. It doesn't really have um like a treasure aspect it kind of really had that like mummy light feel of them going to like different locations and like a desert area and having this like wacky adventure yeah it um this is one that i've been had been anticipating watching for many years i think Mm -hmm. it is uh 2008 is the release uh it's a korean film south korean um i just really thought on paper it kind of gave me like a kind of like a Stephen Chow vibes, like mm-hmm. some sort of Shaolin soccer shenanigans, Kung Fu Hustle shenanigans. Yeah. I was kind of really looking for that. And I feel like we got a little bit. Um, yeah. The fact that it was kind of more Western-y was really cool. Um, great production value. And I think at the time, if I'd seen it, like probably when it came out, I might have had more of a connection with it. I think this time maybe it didn't, um, maybe not meet my expectations, but I did enjoy it it was a fun enough film an interesting enough film um but i agree with you that there were times where it felt like it kind of was just taking too long to get where it wanted to go exactly yeah it kind of was like there's a lot of drivel and a lot of things just like characters didn't really need to say like it was trying to be like have this more methodical like philosophical like dialogue and like a commentary on some stuff that it just really didn't need to have Nothing that I can even recall because I just remember like all the scenes that were pretty fun. But yeah, I um, 
you've seen some of the directors of their films. Uh, I saw The Devil and uh, Tale of Two Sisters. I think, right? You've seen. I've both definitely of those? seen. I saw The Devil, and I I forgot that. The, yeah, and oh yeah, I've seen that as well. Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah, yeah, I they're both. That he did both of them. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, definitely one of his better ones, but I feel like those are definitely that's kind of like his area that's really good that he does stuff in is like thrillers um yeah thrillers the thriller, horror the thriller or like the more um just like raw like realistic horror mm-hmm. of, of, of that could happen in life yeah yeah i heard about his uh new film though that uh is coming out this year that i'm really excited for called cobweb and it's about like a 1970s uh korean director making a movie so oh so that's Separate from the most recent Cobweb film we just Yeah, had? that was a July 2023 horror film. This is called Cobweb, but it's a uh, Korean film by him. And it's uh, supposed to be like about directing. I don't know. I don't know how the tone is. I haven't seen anything on it, but it sounds interesting. From the poster, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's uh, for... Can't go ref- song in it, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Parasite. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for reference, um, those of you who are not familiar, this is director Kim Ji-Woon. Uh, so, um, yeah, he's he's done quite a lot. Yeah, definitely one of the better modern Korean directors. Top three, top five. Well, let's see. Um, you did take my first two picks as you yeah. as you foresaw. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have one that I don't know if you've actually seen. Or okay. if you have, it's okay. been a long time. Let's see. Um, I, for the first time, finally sat down and watched To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh. Which um, I had known about the film for, obviously, forever. But mm-hmm. I never read the book, never seen the film. I bought the 4K on blind buy because I had heard it was going to be great, and I had went solely on a recommendation from Movie Lens that I would that it was a must watch. And yeah, it's a very powerful, very well made film. Looks gorgeous, 4K restoration. Um, you know, there's not a lot I can add to the table on this one because uh, you know, for those of you familiar with it, but. Um, it's definitely a movie with a lot of interesting lessons and um, that still holds true to today with Atticus Finch as a person. He, um, you know, the famous conversation he has with, I believe his daughter in the film about, you know, um, how like a, a man or a person should be judged for the content of their character, not the color of their skin or, you know, all of that, like, there's just, there's so much in the film, so many famous lines of dialogue and scenes, Um, you know, like, Barack Obama was a huge fan of this film, and he, like, screened it, like, sometime after his inauguration, and had, like, all these people watch it, and... Yeah, it was very revolutionary at the time, pre, like, it was, like, 40s, right? Early 50s? 1962. Oh, 62, geez. Still pre-Civil Rights. That was 65 or 66. So um, that uh, that is still, it was definitely poignant. It was like a talking point back then. So it was very important for like that to come out. Um, and I feel like the black and white color kind of helps the film as well. Because mm-hmm. there was, I think, color film at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it definitely, helped, it definitely helped like the kind of the message of that film and stuff. Yeah, I think I saw it in high school. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, I, I obviously enjoyed it. It's like a classic and very, very well, good, well done message, you know, universally and very poignant at the time and still in America. Yeah, just 100% a timeless movie that I would say 
everyone needs to see at least once. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely one of the important pieces of cinema. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to skip my next movie because we saw it literally like a week later from when I saw it the first time, which is Godzilla Minus One. <laughs> uh, okay. And this is going to be the quickest one I'm going to talk about today, which is Ted 2. Oh. Um, I watched Ted 2 when I was drinking with my friends at their house. And... <laughs> Um, it's, it's funny because I didn't know the Ted show was going to come out. So it kind of was a refresher for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I saw Ted too. It's dumb, fun, no substance at all. Just some dumb skits, great beats. Uh, the one where, uh, Ted's in like a wife beater and having marital dispute with his wife is great. Um, there's just, yeah, it definitely goes way more further in this one than the first one. I think in like jokes, like they kind of go like more out there, not in like, offensiveness or anything like that they just kind of do the weirdest stuff like it's very much seth mcfarland riffing my favorite's the jonah hill joke i forget who it's like and the next like james bond or uh um born is uh jonah hill and then it's just mark Wahlberg in the convention screamer uh center just screaming fuck just really loud it's just uh, it's just a bunch of dumb fun that one it's great i did watch a show too shows shows about uh about as, what did you expect for uh more two and a little bit builds on it than one. I didn't like one that much, which I did rewatch in January after watching the show. So I'll talk about that eventually. <laughs> and then um, the night after watching Ted 2, I watched Reality, the 2023 film starring Sydney Sweeney. And um, this one kind of flew under the radar last year. Um, and it's it's a... There's going to be two more movies that are coming out about this exact incident which is very weird that they're already making three movies about um a former uh uh what is it uh not fbi agent she's a she was an air force veteran and then she was a contractor for the government um her name was reality winner and uh in 2017 she leaked uh some things that were like going on in the government uh legally she was like a whistleblower of some sort about it and um this movie is more about not her but the events of her being caught and it immediately it's uh a re it's like a play essentially you're watching of her coming home from groceries and it's the complete transcript of the fbi agents interviewing her about the whole situation and then eventually arresting her uh she's about to get out on her sentence i think next year but yeah um it was uh she leaked the classified documents about the russian interference in the 2016 election that wasn't known um that's like that's what it's about uh sydney sweeney was really good in this um i watched it for her and she's not like uh you know how you see her in like some of her other movies very like femme fatale or just like a very like uh female you know male gaze designed character she's very much a woman that is like acting and she's playing a real person and she's really good in it and it definitely helps her like build up her chops as like an actress i feel uh it it wasn't anything special uh you're kind of just like in inside a house and outside a house and you're she's just reenacting the transcript but it's really cool how they do it um at some shots they'll like fast forward and they'll kind of like change out the like when the redacted stuff happens like people disappear it's kind of cool um so it's a pretty interesting way of telling it um but uh yeah it's like 83 minutes uh it says so it was pretty short uh pretty sweet um it was the first film from this director as well uh so uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't anything crazy, but I liked uh, Sydney Sweeney. She was a good actress in it. Very much almost a chamber piece because it's all set inside and outside her house. Yeah, I was just about to ask if you considered it that. I um, 
this one I feel like I saw the poster somewhere, but definitely mm-hmm. forgot about it. And I don't recall Sydney Sweeney being in it. And I, I think that's a very interesting role for her to take mm-hmm. specifically for the reasons you outlined. So yeah, yeah. That's one I could see myself just like if I come across it on on Max one of these days. Yeah, like, oh, that's that's where yeah. I watch it. I was like, I think I saw someone bring it up on Twitter, and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, it's eighty three minutes. I'll throw that on. I'm not, I'm kind of tired tonight, but I want to watch a movie, so I put it on, and I was like, oh, that's pretty fun. Um, next up, Let's I have see. another movie that you'll be able to comment on because you saw it in January. Oh. It is The Holdovers. Okay, okay, I saw this midday. Um. And it was very nice. Uh, very cozy film. Um, just the technical aspects of it are great. Shot on film. It was edited like a 70s film. So they use a lot of the things that are very popular at that time. Uh, certain things like a crash zoom, uh, dissolve transitions, slow fade transitions, stuff like that. Uh, it's very, very lived in. It was almost feels kind of like how Robert Eggers goes to such lengths in his films to make them very realistic for the time. This was like really done that way for the 1970s. It kind of has that warmth to it on screen as well as uh, just in general. And it's very, very much just a fun film to watch. Uh, It does have serious tones in it, but it's just so fun. It was very nice to be in there and you just kind of get sucked into the film because you're like really Get really into these characters. Definitely one Oscar snob. Um, I feel like uh, the child, the young, Dominic young lad. I, I'm gonna play it out. Dominic Sessa. Dominic Sessa, uh, who uh, got this role because they were filming it at his school, and they're like, "Oh, well, it, uh, it's a postgraduate uh, college acting school." And he was like, "Oh, we'll interview the people uh, that go to the school," and he got it out of like 300 people, but only like 10 of them were from the school. So he was going up against real actors, which is crazy. Uh, Paul Giamatti obviously is nominated. Hopefully, he wins. Uh, and Divine Joy Randolph, I think, should win as well. But um, yeah, definitely some of the best performances this year. Um, definitely, it's their film less than the directors, and the directors had some stuff happen. Blah blah blah. Uh, I don't really want to delve into that. I just really like this film. Uh, it definitely is like it feels like a product of the 70s and very much embodies a lot of the films from that. And it was just really well made all around. And the performances really elevated this because, you know, you could, you could have had other people in this and then it just not hit as much. But uh, I'm glad that uh, Paul G. Money is finally getting like the praise more that he deserved in more other roles. He's only been nominated twice, as we know. Uh, One of these is this and the other one is Cinderella Man everybody cinderella man yes not sideways sideways. not sideways and i found this out tonight (laughs) at trivia oh well no i knew i knew it wasn't sideways i just couldn't remember cinderella man yeah that's what everyone (laughs) else did not know we went to a movie trivia tonight but yeah um yeah i was uh i definitely feel like he should have been nominated multiple times uh but yeah paul g money's great in dramatic roles and great in comedic roles and that is both in this movie so yeah. yeah the holdovers yeah i actually just recently saw that um i saw it in the theater still playing and i was yeah um i had a lot of uh anticipation and high expectations for it um because i'd heard everyone saying it was such a great film and i wasn't sure at first whether like i it was a movie that really um starts off a certain way and then it it slowly kind of like tucks you in and takes you on a specific journey and 
as it goes on, it really develops into something else. And that's one thing I really liked about it. It had so mm-hmm. many, it had so many themes beyond just the fact that it was like a cozy Christmas time movie. It had, yeah. it, had it had like lots and lots of things to say about um, like mental health and, and grief. And like and, power and stuff and like that system, especially like the learning and academics in that time as well. Yeah. And I think, uh, of course, the way it was filmed, it was just such a great production value, the way it opens as if it's a film that was actually made in the 70s. And, um, of course, you know, the filter that whatever lens they use throughout the film to make it mm-hmm. look like there's like little bits of dirt. And, and yeah. of course, in court, of course, cranks. I forget the um, the intros, too. They had the old uh, old logos for the companies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's so much. There's such great um, filmmaking on display. I think the performances are, of course, the, the highlight. Um, I had not seen anything with Divine Joy Randolph, so I was very impressed by her, and I, I agree that she um, and Paul Giamatti should win. I would love to see that. Um, yeah, I think Dominic Sessa was a great first time first timer as well it would have been awesome to see us like just a surprise oscar nom there but yeah you know that was definitely um like a you know gonna be a tough tough call to make on their part yeah i feel like he'll definitely win like the important awards for him which will be like the indie spirit awards for like uh best new actor and stuff mm-hmm. like that like stuff like yeah. that is definitely especially because his first film he's been in he's only been like a stage actor and he's only like 19 or something so he's like mm. pretty young and i think it's definitely a movie that most people that have enjoyed it are going to continue to watch it. Like, uh, like people I keep hearing are just saying this is like their new annual watch. Yeah. For me, especially, I think there aren't a lot of Christmas movies that really um, dive deep into some of the, the, the more sad or more, more difficult things people actually deal with during Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think for me now, based on where I'm at in my life, that this might be one of my go-to Christmas films. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Same as well. I definitely want to show it to my family. <laughs> <laughs> and your turn. All right. So I watched a classic Stanley Kubrick film, Full Metal Jackets. Nice. I said it that way because some of you who know this film is Vincent D'Onofrio, who was a Section 8 by that point. Um says it in that tone <laughs> yeah. anyway full metal jacket uh it's uh one hell of a film it's very uh a film that's very difficult to watch at times particularly um in the first act which i think is the strongest part of the film yes um you know uh the first half to the first act is is all about these uh, uh marine corps gentlemen army Mm-hmm. blanking out on the exact uh marine marine and uh their sergeant is this super du- duper hard ass that's um basically just like there to you know put them through this this horrible horrible <laughs> you know hazing <laughs> and yeah it's very much like a commentary on like kind of like that like masculinity of the army as well as like the military industrial complex at the time and how they treated, you know, I mean, obviously all these guys are drafted, um, most of them. Uh, and um, 
like it's very much obviously showing like how what they go through even before they deal with war there's like trauma and a lot of mental problems that like people can be subjected to especially because you're pretty much being uh exposed to sanctioned bullying and uh abuse uh and there's literally no way you can get out of it unless you want to go to jail at the time unless you wanted to like run off to canada so it's very like very kind of stark dark uh dark reality that a lot of uh young men faced in uh, the 70s yeah and if if you haven't if someone hasn't seen it out there i won't spoil it but there's definitely um a way that uh people do try to get out of that situation mm-hmm. um but it's um a film that really doesn't shy away from the harsh realities of of the of that and the performances are so good vincent d'onofrio as i said who many will know recognize as these days as kingpin and the daredevil netflix originally netflix series now disney plus mm-hmm. um and of course some of the other people actually that people won't the, recognize but yeah the lead see? actor um he's stranger things yeah matthew modine when he was young adam mm-hmm. baldwin arlie ermy the sergeant he was most people recognize him from this role specifically um or texas was... chainsaw <laughs> the bad ones the 2000 2003 also, also a surprise uh I can't recall his name. I'm looking at the cast right now, but he played um, one of the leads in Firefly. Uh, oh. Yeah. So it's it'll come to me later when I'm when it's your turn. I'll go back to that. But yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just, you know, a, a must watch film from Kubrick. Um, I won't say it's his best, but it's definitely one of the best. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like you touched on pretty much the thing. Is like kind of in the second half, it kind of gets a little bit down from how high of a just like gripping like piece of film, piece of work it was in the first. And you kind of a lot of these Vietnam films get compared with each other, Platoon and Apocalypse Now. And yeah. this is the least war mm-hmm. um, out of like all three of the like big ones. If you're if you're going those the big three and so it kind of gets those parts you never really see like the second half of the movie when people talk about it or or show stuff about it. it's usually that first half when they're yeah. in the boot camp but it gives like the bet a great representation of that and it's cool that uh they got like a real drill sergeant to uh being in he was a really good actor and then he became an actor so that yeah was and it was um i think the thing people there's not a lot of films like this that i've seen but it people say that the first film the first act or the first half is essentially a different movie. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think what makes it so challenging uh, when you get to the second half, because it, you feel like you, you went on a certain journey and all of a sudden it's like a new film in some ways. Yeah. 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 Definitely a part A and part B essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So then from there, it's back to me balls in my court. So I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Charlie Kaufman. Uh, I don't know uh, if he has seeked professional help, but uh, he he very much does a lot of uh, a lot of movies like this. Um, great writer. Written some of my favorite films. Um, and uh, really really i wouldn't say hit or miss director i did not like his uh his like real like first debut what film anomalisa oh i haven't seen that one yeah i didn't i didn't like anomalisa um not a fan of it uh i did like i'm not thinking of any things or 
I'm not. Sorry, I'm thinking of ending things. I'm not. Yeah, I'm thinking of ending things. I really did like this. Um, <laughs> uh, I kind of got mixed reviews at the time. Uh, some people really didn't like this, and some people really did like <clears> this. <throat> uh, it's very. Uh, it has a lot going on, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like not to spoil anything. There's just a lot going on. You kind of have to like decipher it yourself. Um, there's like you know you can read stuff after. I always like I always like to read. Um, you know like reviews and see what the reviewers say what they think's going on blah blah blah. it's always like great to see different opinions uh compared to the conclusion that you came to um there's a lot of just like when they go to the house in the movie uh when you watch it they go to uh jesse plumman's house uh jesse blackley and she's already thinking about breaking up with him and so that's like a big plot point and that's kind of like where it goes off from that point uh but yeah it doesn't feel like like any movie that you've really seen it feels like there's horror there's something coming and i feel like you kind of have that but also the message in the title is kind of overbearing at times and you're trying to decipher how they're trying to represent what that is um you like are they thinking of ending things and like the relationship or like you know are they like have suicidal ideation something like that and um it's very much interesting to see how the characters deal with it mentally as well as in the movie and like the visuals are representing some of their thoughts and like their thought processes and like is this even actually happening and just oh, it's there's just a lot going on but um i really liked it i really enjoyed it um i think at the time it was just like a really good film to watch for like what i was just going through and i really uh uh i really enjoyed uh the journey you go on in it um and uh my favorite part i think is there's a thing at the end i'm not going to spoil it but uh kaufman has said how much he hates a beautiful mind as a film and he kind of just riffs on how much he hates a beautiful mind as a film at the end and that was kind of funny uh at a point but yeah that was uh overall it was it was pretty great it was pretty great um i enjoyed it uh but i definitely can see how this film was not for everyone and a lot of people would probably turn it off after 40 minutes yeah so i saw that in 2020 uh, Mm -hmm. when it came out on netflix I was really interested in it, and um, I think I gave it, it might be in one of my best of the years, but I definitely enjoyed it a lot and gave it um, solid four out of five. Um, yeah, yeah, you gave it a film, four. It's a film that I don't, I, I still remember particular scenes and um, lines of dialogue, and um, I do think it's one of Je- Jesse Buckley's best performances, one that I did. Um, perhaps want to revisit at some point. Um, but yeah, I remember it being very um, kind of like harder to follow, but in the in the way that the intentionally obscure a lot of scenes and things to make to make it hard to follow to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, but I like that. I think that yeah. it kept things really interesting. Like you said, it, it's one of those films that leaves you leaves a lot to interpret and leaves you to want to do your own research and figure out what what something meant so yeah yeah i i um i'm definitely excited for i think kaufman has one coming out this year or something or was that last year or is this not even a feature length film yeah i feel like he has something he's writing or doing um but yeah i am uh i'm i'm definitely i definitely like checking out everything that he's done you know i love his written stuff adaption eternal spot sunshine of the spotless mind being john malkovich sindoche new york he has something called jackals and fireflies yeah it's a short film Oh, I see. Um, and then uh, I did not like Anomalisa. Sorry. Even I feel like it's 
the bad things from I'm thinking of ending things as a film, and it's just weird. To <laughs> not like in a bad way, just like it's just weird, and like I just don't, I just feel like I'm uh, watching to some old dude ramble through his like midlife crisis in a non-interesting way, and that's kind of kind of how I felt watching that. Um, next, I have another kind of kind of uh, not similar, but uh, kind of weird in a in a similar way. Uh, Dream scenario 2023. We watched this together. Yes. Uh, so Christoph Borgli, um, I've seen one of his other films more recently called Sick of Myself. That's a, a January movie I watched. Uh, but Dream Scenario, Nick Cage, shot in 16 millimeter. I went into this with higher expectations. Um, I did enjoy it. I, I, it didn't get as weird as I thought it would. Obviously, you feel like it's going to get really weird. Nick Cage and Dreams. Uh, but it wasn't. It was very more like grounded and kind of like the the ideas it was trying to represent of like reality versus like what you want and kind of like this uh, this newfound uh kind of you know celebrity that happens to this guy kind of like going like viral essentially uh to nick cage's character um and he's kind of a failed academic uh he's teaching at like a local college and his uh people have stolen his work and stuff like this so he's very like angsty and he feels like he's wrong from the world and so now that he has this uh power he's kind of like trying to use it in a way and then everything goes wrong and uh it was pretty pretty interesting i liked it um i think the the runtime was just about right 140 um and an hour 40 um and i think that was good for it i don't think it, i think anything longer kind of would have just felt felt too much but uh i definitely watching this character arc is very sad you kind of like kind of trying to empathize and sympathize but like also kind of see the wrongs with him and you're kind of like what would i do in this situation but he is in a very specific situation that's hard to kind of decipher as uh what you do in that position and so uh but it's very interesting i love the way it was shot love the dream sequences um the the dialogue was just awesome uh michael Sarah cameo great did not <laughs> know he was going to be in this and he always does his dumb uh kind of role that he'll do every now and then as like a one-dimensional a-hole or whatever and he's great um adam brody kind of has a character like that in american fiction um mm. and uh and yeah i i enjoyed this um i will i don't say i th- i enjoyed it in a different way than i thought i would it not being as weird and crazy out there but uh borgley has a specific style of uh writing and uh, comedy in his films and i after seeing more of his films i've i've realized that and so uh, I definitely see it going back and thinking about this film, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, Dream Scenario, yeah, one of my favorites of the year. It was definitely one of my favorite Nick Cage performances. Mm-hmm. It's such a such an interesting character. Another one of those performances I felt should have gotten more attention from the Academy. Um, I think the one thing I really enjoyed about the film was definitely the dream situations um, yeah. early, early on because everyone is seeing him in their dreams. Like l- almost literally everyone except him. He's not having them. Um, but I love how they set them up. You see you see him just showing up out of nowhere in the descriptions and the way people are having these dreams. But then there's a particular one, I will say, that's more intimate that uh, uh, really elevated the film on a humor level. Mm-hmm. And kind of, kind of the crescendo of the the the, the humor in the film. Uh, at, from that point on, I feel like the film gets very dramatic and 
and actually very sad. And so I think it's, it, it takes, wow. a, yeah, it takes a certain turn that uh, I wasn't expecting, but exactly. I didn't mind. Yeah. I didn't mind. I feel like it fit the character and kind of, uh, kind of not a uh, boy who cried wolf, but like, you know, somebody who saw signs and people told him not to do things and he did them anyway. And then he now has to deal with those consequences and live in that world. Um, and that's pretty much what his character turns into. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it a lot though. It was yeah. really good. Okay. So you, that was me. Now you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this next one we did see together and that was a pick from Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. Oh, oh I know what this is. We watched The Ref, a movie from 1994, uh, kind of your adult Christmas movie. Yeah, um, yeah, very much. Definitely made for adults. Um, very dark humor, kind of black comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, starring, uh, drumroll please, Dennis Leary and Judy Davis and Kevin Spacey. Who you pretty wah, much wah. never see in movies anymore. They're I wonder like, why, them. Dylan. I wonder why you don't see him. In... Yeah, don't worry. I, he did a he did a video with Taco Carlson in December, like right after this. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, this is one of those movies where, as much as you uh, don't care for certain people like Kevin Spacey anymore, you realize, man, he was a great actor. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, unless they did like okay, he did something terrible. Uh, but like, I feel like. I'm not giving him money and we like watched this from like a Blu-ray or something or whatever. Right. And it's like, I can watch a movie with him and be like, obviously he's not a good person, but you know, you can separate the up. art from yeah. the artist. I, yeah. In certain situations, like if I'm not going to actively give money to the guy, like I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to go see a movie by uh, Kevin Spacey. Now uh, yes. I'm going to pirate it at home if I'm really interested. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, this film was fun. Uh, it was, it was not as funny as I thought, and it definitely uh, fits those uh, Home Alone kind of like vibes, uh, but in like a lesser sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, J.K. Simmons' first movie, I think, first role, uh, feature film. He was a uh, he was did a lot of theater, and then he did this, and then also shout out SF State fellow alumni B.D. Wong as the therapist. Uh, That's fun right. eclectic cast. Just it's a very much witty banter dialogue uh, film. Very fun. I don't think there's much else to say. I would say it's a good, you know, watch it once and then you see if you like it or not. Um, it's not going to let you down. And if you can get past Kevin Spacey, it's pretty fun. Uh, Dennis Leary definitely makes the movie um, the most. He's definitely a great character. Uh, Judy Davis definitely is like underrated and just really good in this movie as well. I think it was really the strongest aspect they kept noticing throughout the film was the the script. It's mm-hmm. really well written, really, really good um delivery on all the actors and in, in just a great um surprising amount of humor that was really smart humor and and beyond just the like crudeness of like the the nagging couple situation yeah so and then let's see before i go on to my next one which i know you're eager to talk about <laughs> i'll let you continue um, yeah, so uh, go back three days from when we watched The Ref, and I saw Little Women for the first time. Ah. Missed it in theaters, and then I don't know why. I was just like, I don't want to watch another Greta Gerwig movie right now, and then I just like didn't. I just forgot about it after the Oscars, and then um, Alamo Drafthouse uh, had like a morning showing at 11. 
uh, before I worked one day. I was like, oh, I'll go see it in theaters. That'll be a fun time. Uh, and then I uh, got very teary-eyed. Uh, um, my my review of it was the gif of uh, or the scene of Always Sunny where uh, Danny DeVito says, oh, my God, I get it. Uh, that that was me watching this movie. It was it's very much a beautiful film. Um, really good adaptation of it. Uh, definitely changes some aspects, obviously, but I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, it was so well done. It's just every aspect. The, the performances are great. I mean, you have just random people popping up left and right. Um, but yeah, Florence Pugh's like pretty much. I think breakout in like Hollywood role. If I remember, because um, she yeah. did like Midsummer, and that was kind of like her like cult horror role, and then this she was kinda, first like, Academy recognition. Yeah, yeah, this was like that. Obviously, uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, where where have you gone? You're coming back this year, hopefully. I uh, heard uh, mm-hmm. your new movie's good. Great. Um, Emma Watson. You know, she's not in too much nowadays. She was great. And um, I mean, obviously, Laura Dern's their mom. Bob Odenkirk. Um, Chris Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who we could not remember earlier also we're kind of oh, hitting mm-hmm. a lot of our trivia mistakes so far yes <laughs> um yeah it's just a great cast great script i think greta gerwig is definitely underrated in script writing though she has been nominated um i definitely think it's her best directed film um i really like ladybird but i think that this is still my favorite one of hers i'm not a huge fan of her early work uh or i do like francis hall but i feel like i can't really rewatch it as much but this and ladybird i think are like great and i think this is like a near masterpiece like i there's like very little things i would chase i never really read little women i've read parts and excerpts in class but i never watched read it as a book so maybe i'd be mad if i watched read the book first and be like oh they changed stuff but uh i really enjoyed this and i loved it and just every aspect of it was amazing um such a wonderful film uh obviously it's just definitely hopefully she goes back to kind of like more auteur or more like indie stuff uh but it seems like she's very going heavily into the studio uh big system which uh hopefully hopefully she goes back into some more stuff like this even though this was really big at the time i do like her doing like more drama and like non-ip stuff yeah um i enjoyed little women a lot i think i may have seen it in theaters but my recollection is fading um, mm-hmm. but it has been a few years for me you know yeah that was pre out. us watching movies together yeah right this is 2019 um and i but i remember it being a really well done film and i mm-hmm. and um you you reminded me like i forgot Emma watson was in it i yeah. just remember sure sharon and florence Pete, uh, for sure uh, timothy chalamet i didn't say his name come on yeah it's chalamet Meryl, Meryl i don't think he's Street. done like a bad role surprisingly bob odenkirk who uh yeah surprise surprise actually we got to meet recently mm-hmm. for a book signing that's yes. a whole nother story but <laughs> a whole nother story <laughs> but um yeah really well done film um yeah. one that one that just hearing you talk about it and hearing how much you enjoyed it makes me want to rewatch it and i think it's one of those films that i think does have that certain element of rewatchability because of just how enjoyable it is to watch at times yeah yeah exactly like there is sad parts but it's just like a journey of a film and it's beautiful yeah. um it's like uh not as sad iron claw <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah sisters the yeah and sisters i was a sister once oh no <laughs> you um, went there uh so it's me again right i think yeah 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 Keep so going. now i gotta leapfrog you and okay where was i mm-hmm. Uh, right over Little Women, 
we watched the ref and then the other movie that we watched the same night as the ref i already talked about um so i'm just gonna say what it was it was to live oh, and die yeah. in la we already talked about this yeah we talked about I it forgot. in november because i watched it at alamo 4k remaster and then dylan got the 4k from shout out game gamefly shout out gamefly as a disc rental service Please sponsor us, Gamefly. We love you. <laughs> uh, uh, and an honorary uh, good standing member, Dylan, over here. Uh, yeah, uh, the, him and Aaron got to see it for the first time. I watched it again, and I still liked it. And I watched it like a month before. So uh, I rated it the same, and I four out of five. I love me some Friedkin, baby. Um, <laughs> and so then my next technical movie, I will say, is How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Now, that is my sleeper pick of the year. Um, this film is in my top 10 still and i've seen 60 movies and almost every f- narrative uh feature film that's nominated like in the oscars <clears throat> if you can base it on that merit uh but just like i've seen a lot of the movies from last year and this is still in my top 10 i think it was great um the director i don't know if this was his f- okay so he did cam if you know what movie that was it was a uh about a uh, cam girl who's like uh gets replaced by herself on a stream uh and it's like a horror movie but yeah this is like his first uh first real one that he's doing as a uh as like outside of a horror uh he's going back to horror with his next film which is faces of death remake don't know what that's gonna do got a very weird cast uh you can look at that up but uh yeah this was this was amazing um it's very obviously a commentary on environmentalism and kind of like the anarchism of fighting against a losing battle that you know is happening but what can you do against that losing battle that might do something to eventually change and get the message that you need and it's very interesting uh they have a people from different backgrounds uh all over there's a very good actor in it forced good luck a native american actor he was in um another movie i saw a long time ago miseducation of uh cameron post but he was also i think he's in reservation dogs or someone that produced this was in reservation dogs i cannot remember but um yeah the cast was a lot of people you'd be like oh yeah there's the girl from uh oh what's her name uh god this good eye. i'm i'm blinking whatever uh but yeah she's got a, just a lot of cast oh sasha lane she was an american honey that's what else um but yeah it has a lot of people different backgrounds you know there's people that were like poisoned by some environmentalism uh, thing that the government let happen like they live next to like a refinery of some sort then there's a guy who got his land eminent domain to build a pipeline then there's a native american guy who's lives near oil rigs and he's kind of like wants to destroy this and he's like kind of a pyromaniac that's placed by forest good luck i think forest good luck definitely an actor to watch out for he was amazing he was like i just he embodied a very interesting character i really liked him uh the country guy was really good too lucas gage oh no 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 not lucas gage he was a they're like portland uh portland anarchist couple uh they were pretty interesting um they had the dude oh what movie was this from i forget what movie oh the guy from blackish was in this he's like the older son he was good uh jake weary that's who i was thinking of jake weary you know from it follows uh he was really good in this um i forget who he's in uh, it follows he was like a supporting character but i really liked him uh and he was good but yeah i definitely just overall it's a really well taught well told film the special effects are really good the story is really good has a cool ending 
kind of what it's trying to go for and kind of the message it's trying to represent. I definitely, one of my favorite, like, lesser seen films from the year. Um, I can see how people, you know, some people might not like it, well, whatever. Uh, obviously, it's an inherently political film. So, obviously, if you don't agree with the message, some people are hard to get into films, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, and definitely excited to see what this guy will do, though his next film is very weird. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know, uh, I don't know what I'll I'll do with uh, watching that film, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they, it has the dude from uh, the new guy, the metal dude from Stranger Things. You watch the new season, right? I have not seen the new oh, season. Yeah, so he's the the new guy from Stranger Things: Charlie XCX, Josie Tota, and Barbie Ferreira. All right, crazy class. And Josie Tota has not really acted that much. Uh, they're a, uh, another uh, trans actress. Uh, they were really popular in Disney back in the day. Barbara Ferreira as well. Um, another actress uh, from Euphoria. Dakery Montgomery is the guy I was talking about. And then oh, okay. the freaking singer, Charlie XCX. So I, I'm very interested in that film. But yeah, that's off. Dakery Montgomery was in the previous season of Stranger Things. So I recognize yeah, that that's name. the No, he was only in the newest season, season four. No, he was before that. He's uh he's in like I distinctly remember that like swimming pool scene where he's like a lifeguard. Oh, am like, I thinking about the? I'm thinking about the wrong actor, dude. So okay. that's my bad. <laughs> that's all right. I'm thinking of the metal guy. I thought Dakery Montgomery was that. Oh yeah, he's the Boldy brother. Yeah, he's dead. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was thinking of the metal guy. He's in a new movie. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that was a uh, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, that was a great film. Definitely recommend it. Uh, off on my mis misinformed tangent there. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we we always have a little bit of that. Yeah. You know? Um and but, then um, yeah, um, we uh we go back to you. Balls in your court. Yes, but I will say two things about how to bolt a pipeline. One, I am very intrigued ah. to see it. Mm-hmm. Two, Jake Weary played the boyfriend of Michael Monroe at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the character who passes on <laughs> the following monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really Preacher. yeah, he was he was really good in that and he's like playing like a gruff like southern guy. So I was I was pretty surprised. I was like, "Oh, it's that guy from It Follows. Wow, he looks very different." But well, it's been like 10 years almost. Well, the fact that I also haven't seen Cam um but knowing mm. the direct, same director made Cam. Yeah, I really kind of want to see Cam now. Yeah, that makes me want to watch it. It's on Netflix, yeah. so. Yeah. It was a, it was um, a Netflix drop uh I think in 2019. Yeah. But um, on to my next movie, I, I here's one I don't think you've seen. We were just talking about all these 2023 films that you've seen. Boom, boom, boom. Air, as in the oh, yeah. Jordan's biopic about the story behind the deal that got Nike the Air Jordan shoe when they convinced Michael Jordan to sell, uh, well, to work with them and create the Air Jordan instead of Adidas or... Uh, Reebok, Converse, not Reebok. No, uh, Puma. I think it was Converse. I'm blanking on that, but definitely not Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Air is a very good film. It's it's very well paced, well directed. Ben Affleck uh, is back, you know, with his signature Matt Damon in the lead, and then a couple other guys you don't see as often these days, like Chris Tucker's, and he's great. Um, what I enjoyed the most about Air, oh, Viola Davis, who plays Michael Jordan's mom, mm-hmm. um, what I enjoyed most about the film was um, the way they were able to secure the deal and how they went about doing that. 
Uh, Matt Damon is a very like smart sports like uh, analyst. Like he or you know he can he you can watch something on TV and see like the greatness that Michael Jordan was going to become just just by the way he handled a very particular moment in his career. And so he takes this ginormous leap to to essentially put all of Nike's weight and money on getting him. And when they were at such a terrible point in there, um, they, like no one was, no one cared about Nike at this time. This was, everything was Adidas. Everything was um, Converse. You know, it was just, it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool to see like that era. Um, and, also, the way they went about doing the film, that Michael Jordan is not really in it. He is, but they never actually show his face. And you never, you might hear him say like a line or two, which are pretty like crucial moments, but like you never really see him. But they have like some really great um, like legacy footage they use from his life to, to emphasize a very particular uh, key scene to like essentially convince him to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that scene alone. I thought deserved the film some kind of recognition. So that uh, another one of those Oscar snubs that mm-hmm. I, I kind of underrated overlooked films that yeah. is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um I feel like it's one of the better biopics. I feel like a lot of them just get grouped together. Like people haven't watched like Blackberry, which is awesome and Air, which I've heard good things from just because there's like ones like Tetris and Flaming Hot Cheetos coming and out. Barbie. And yeah. <laughs> And a it's lot like, of product movies this well, year. This was the year. Well, one. those aren't. Yeah, they're like this. Those ones are more. These are more <laughs> like biopics compared to Barbie, like biopics about the origins of a brand. Oh, one for sure. I just, yeah, mean, I just is, meant. I just meant that every every yeah. one of these things was at times some kind of product. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're doing a lot of story behind the product movies. Like, there's a Pop Tart one coming out. Oh my it's god! It's just like you're. There's good ones, but they kind of have to be in that realm because. But like some of the stories are actually interesting, and some of them just aren't. There was like a yeah. oh, there was a uh, Beanie Baby one. Like, what the hell are we doing? Some oh. of these don't need stories. No, as you <laughs> know, Dumb Money is one as well. <laughs> well, what was uh, next on your list, sir? Uh Godzilla. Minus one. one? That, are we going to yeah, save that? Minus one. This is the one that we both watched. Okay. This is <laughs> the second time I saw Godzilla minus one, oh. and it was with oh, Dylan. Right, right. That's what yes. you meant. <laughs> yes. So Godzilla minus one. Um simply um one of the best godzilla movies uh one of the best disaster movies um and uh, just a great message overall uh i am a godzilla fan by um by exposure uh my cousin elliot shout out elliot uh he's in a band uh <laughs> called uh, Killer Couture. It's a metal band. But yeah, um uh, he uh he was a huge Godzilla guy. Million he had like all the freaking figures. We would play Godzilla on PS2 and I watched a lot of them with the back then and got like really into them. He was like two years older than me. And um then I uh and I got really into them. I really liked them and then this came out, I was hyped for it. Saw it with my coworker um when it had its IMAX limited showing in uh the East Bay and it was just awesome. I mean, it's just so grandiose in scale. The visuals are insane for what it is. And it's just very passable compared to a lot of the CGI we have in America coming out from Hollywood nowadays. Um it's essentially like a great riveting war drama as well. Like you wouldn't expect that coming from this, but it is like very much so that. Um 
and the characters are like super just like you want to root for them you love them they all like very like well done fleshed out and they all have like very very uh shown goals that they want they're very you know they're what they want you know what they're there for and they're just well done and they all play off each other very well and it's just so such a well-written script and everything just beats perfectly into the next thing and it has a wonderful ending but one of the most like devastating shots at a point with like just utter devastation and loss of a character experience and it's just insane and that kind of like reoccurring theme that he has and like the mentality he kind of is forced into because of situations that have happened to him like this cowardice it's just amazing it's definitely definitely one of my favorite films of the year um and just definitely one of the best Godzillas ever. I think top three, top two, Shin Godzilla, this and the original are uh, are definitely definitely the best. As someone who's only seen um, Shin Godzilla as well as well, okay, of the of the Toho Godzillas, um, I, I've only seen Shin Godzilla and Godzilla minus one. Um, it's hard for me to like have a strong comparison because I, I still have yet to see the original, but I think. When I look at, I know, I know, I've been, it's definitely way up there. Killing. Oh, my watch list. I know. <laughs> I have seen King Kong, <laughs> Put him down. <laughs> so, I think for me, it's um, what, trying to watch it from the perspective of it just being a, 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 a good film and not like a great Godzilla film. I think that's sort of the approach I had. Uh, and it really, surprised me i would i went in hearing a lot of great things and it um i agree that like it has such strong characters and storytelling and motivations and i really love the uh, this is the first time i've ever truly understood the idea of godzilla and how he could be used like why he was significant historically and the the creation of him Mm -hmm. because because the only thing i've ever learned from any American Godzilla films that he's a giant monster attacking a city mm-hmm. and that was, and all the human characters are lame. So yeah, um, this movie has great characterization, um, lots of great supporting characters aside from our lead, who's going through all these battles internally during the film. Um, but I love the family dynamic. I love seeing this, like not really a family to turn into a family with, you know, a man who invites a woman to just live with him, who who found a child that was she saved from the mother, and just basically adopted the child, and they just became a family. And he can't admit that he like loves her. There's this whole like, mm-hmm. you know, because he has that, yeah, the character has like this internal struggle, and he like can't accept that he deserves something good because of what has happened in the past, and as well as he doesn't want people to be subjected to what he has happened to him because it could happen again he thinks yeah and i love that the film too is finally the first recognized uh godzilla film at the academy with mm-hmm. my favorite best visual effects was was really cool to see that yeah and, and we had a japan had an amazing year of films um at almost at the same time we had both the boy and the heron and godzilla minus one in like the top five top ten box office mm-hmm. which is incredible hero kazuka didn't even get his film nominated this year which was uh perfect days monsters or monster 
Yeah, Wim oh, Wenders. Wim Wenders. Yeah, Wim Wenders did. did Perfect Days, which he's German, but he did a Japanese film. So people were like, Bleh. but also Korea has been nominated a couple times. So it's like, um, it was a tough list because they can only if it's going to just best international, they can only submit one film, and they probably yeah. submitted they probably submitted Perfect Days. They picked right? Perfect Days. Uh, Koreeda obviously has been nominated like I think twice for Japan, and he won for. Uh, what did he win for? Or did he never win? I can't remember. Is Koreeda the one that did a uh, shoplift? I know he did shoplifters, but did he do Drive My Car? No, he just did shoplifters. He did Broker, and he was nominated for Nobody Knows or something. Oh yeah, we never something saw else. Broker. That never saw Broker. Out. Uh, fun fact, I got the cardboard cutout from the movie theater of that, and we cut out uh, King O's song and put him up in my friend's dorm. Hmm. And so he had a, they, uh, they'd uh, walk by and just yell at King. They put a little name over him. Everybody had to greet him when they'd walk into their dorm. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely just, I mean, to put it simply, definitely, definitely one of the best Godzillas. It was great. To, uh, if you haven't seen it too, uh, watch the Godzilla minus one crew uh, seeing that they won visual effects because they have all mm. they're sitting at a table and then at the front of the table they have little the little godzilla figures and they're watching with them it's so cute yeah it's a great reaction video yeah it will just it'll just like warm your heart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so then me one more yeah really quick mouse hunt uh i was staying at a cabin <laughs> up on the coast up in uh up in north humboldt no no sorry north mendocino county uh, and Mouse Hunt is uh, has a special place in my heart because it was one of my favorite movies as a child. Um, and I think it's one of the best like modern um, like slapstick comedies. It's so weird and so funny. It's like you. It's kind of dark for a kids movie. Like it starts off with their dad. Uh, they're taking his casket out of his funeral and they drop him and he goes down the sewer is the intro. It's freaking hilarious. And it's uh, it's Nathan Lane and Lee Evans. Uh, oh, it's a great cast. It's just all these misfortunes happen to them. And then the only thing they have left from their dad, if they lose everything is his old house and is infested with a mouse. And that mouse is as uh, Nathan Lane says, uh, Hitler with a tail. <laughs> and um, they hire an exterminator that is played by Christopher Watkins. It is just just crazy slapstick destruction of this house that they built just for this film. It's directed by Gore Verbinski, who did the Pirates of the Caribbean, good movies. Um, and so it's just great. If you haven't seen it, it's just fun to put on. If you have kids, definitely have them watch it when they're like six or older. It's just I love this. I probably burnt the tape because i played it so much as a child um but yeah definitely definitely great just a fun film it was fun to watch i watched it with my sister because we used to watch it as a kid um, i do have nostalgia for that film too yeah <laughs> it's been a long time but I, I i can like distinctly remember a moment when i was watching it at some yeah hotel or something. you're right at the age too you're like six, uh seven or eight right 97 yeah yeah exactly i was, I was negative well, yeah, one i was like six yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh well um on well, to you yeah the next film that i watched was one of my favorites of the month um which was long overdue for me and that was the anime anthology best anime anthology i think ever made 1995's memories and that film has three different short stories um you have a film called magnetic rose which was um from a Katsuhiro Otomo, who did Akira, 
it was his story along with music from Yoko Kano, who's most known for uh, both, you know, like Evangelion and uh, Cowboy Bebop, as well as countless other anime, and Satoshi Kon's script. That film is like 40 minutes long, and it is just in- incredible. Like every set, every minute of that film is a visual splendor, and it's so interesting. They just did a remastered version, both with a brand new English dub and um, new visuals, oh. and and it's just really good. The rest of the film, the other two shorts are also really interesting and good as well. Um, uh, well let's see, Stink Bomb and Ken, Cannon Fodder are all <clears throat> both really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I I can't believe I took so long to see it. Uh, must watch for anime fans out there. Yeah, I think I watched it around the same time I watched um, the very well done Metropolis as well, which I think we'll end up watching soon. Um, yeah, because uh, our friend Aaron hasn't seen it, but yeah, um, very good. I I like it was very good. I liked watching them both around at the same time. It felt very nice, very visually similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, though stories are very different, but kind of you know weird sci-fi, fun sci-fi. Yeah, points. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Um, now I have a movie that I watched back then with omar and then you i uh, ended up showing you guys really recently called fatal termination wow. this is a very crazy i think hong kong cinema i don't want to be wrong but i think it's yeah hong, hong kong police hong kong uh, it's a hong kong and then like taiwanese actors as well uh because it has a lot of people from shaw uh shaw brothers in it as well uh which is uh what's his name oh god philip ko philip ko great actor uh, he was in Enter the Dragon for a little bit, uh, which we also watched recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, you may know uh, the one of the guys from this. Uh, what was his name? Oh God, uh, he was uh, whatever oh, in yeah. Mortal Kombat. Um, Robin Shaw. Robin Shaw. Yeah, yeah, Robin Shaw. So Robin Shaw's in this as the crooked, uh, crooked customs agent, and this movie is just insane. It's like full of just campiness and weird, and you kind of like don't know where the movie's going, but all the violence is all the choreography and stuff is crazy you're like what the hell and then you just have like the craziest stunts going on just all over and it's just insane like you got to go into this movie blind this was a beautiful redone uh remaster scanned by uh error 4444 um i don't know if i'm supposed to say 4444 but um they're a new studio they're doing a lot of weird uh east asian cinema uh, a lot of Japanese, Hong Kong, a little bit of Chinese so far. Just I love their studio. I've been buying like most of their releases. They're just w- such well done, uh, like lower level stuff. But yeah, this is a run and gun, shoot everyone movie with insane stunts. One of the most deadliest stunts you'll ever seen. Craziest stunts you'll ever seen. I think Dylan can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw um, your, don't look it your, up unless you yeah. don't want to watch this movie, which I think is dumb. If you but, want to uh, see it, go watch Lucas's Instagram story right now. No, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, this is insane. It's just such a fun film. You have to watch it with people because you're just gonna be laughing because some of the acting is terrible. Like, there's a scene where someone dies and the they cop goes to the guy's funeral. He's like, "You're crooked, just like your brother." And he put his brother's the one dead in the casket. He's like, "That that coward son of a bitch is dead." And I'm glad he is. And this guy's like, what are you doing at my brother's funeral? And then they like get in a fight. It's just, oh my God, there's crazy. The guy like saws off half of his car when his brother dies on top of it. And then he chases after the guy who shot him. It's like crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, the ending is great. Uh, uh, I think our, uh, 
Dylan's roommate was there uh, when we watched this, and uh, there's a scene where there's two helicopters, and they kept yelling, go lower! And then one of them gets blown up, and then right after, they get back to the other guy, after the other one gets shot with, like, an RPG, and he's like, go lower! <laughs> and then Jafe just started dying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, definitely check this out if you want to watch, like, one of the craziest, weirdest, just uh, insane action movies from this era of Hong Kong cinema that yeah, John cool. Woo uh definitely inspired these people to make also fun fact that stunt coordinator that did this uh movie it was 19 years old when he did it insane yeah definitely a movie that could not be made today yeah definitely not Um, (laughs) but yeah on on your note yeah robin shao is known for Liu kang in the 1995 for mortal kombat Mm -hmm. um and so that was a moment. My review on Letterboxd is basically just me going like, oh, that's when he takes off his glasses. And I just instantly was like, oh, man, that's Luke King. From yeah, when we were watching it, he didn't notice until he took off his glasses like 30 minutes in the movie. He's like, that's Luke King. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, you'd fall for the Superman uh, uh, <laughs> disguise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, uh, the film, yeah, very, I think when you were talking about the acting, I think the biggest thing I noticed was the dubbing. Because the, yeah. like, you can't tell if the acting is bad or the dubbing is just bad or both. Yeah, because we watched it with, uh, we watched it and uh, it's in English, or sorry, it's in um, Cantonese, or um, I think Cantonese, because it's a uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. But um, it, uh, yeah, the ADR at points is freaking so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um and yeah, those were my two. Uh, I oh, have a lot more two. left. I have a lot more left. I just did two. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, uh, Ma- that was Mouse Hunt and Fatal Termination. So up you. All right. Well, I'll be brief on my next one. I watched Rustin, which oh, okay. was uh, an Oscar-nominated film this year. I've not. Um, yes, it is um, starring Coleman Domingo as activist Bayard Rustin, and he was. Um, basically deals the film centers a lot around racism and homophobia and he's trying to help change the course of the civil rights um history when he wants to orchestrate he's trying to orchestrate the 1963 march on washington and so you see his relationship with martin luther king and um the film it's i while i found it really interesting and historically significant uh particularly for the representation of a character that uh, of a person that has such a significant um, um, role in in one of the greatest events we've seen in, in United States history. Um, I I think the film itself falls under its own sort of cliches of like being like a movie that just felt like they needed to make it just for the sake of mm-hmm. making it. Like we need to have we need to have like you know a, a great act. So. For people who don't know, Coleman Domingo, he is, I believe, an open, openly gay man. And so he's playing a, a, a gay character, which is great. And it just feels like the film, though, is like just trying to sort of sell itself on the fact that it's like it has this representation. It doesn't feel like like as a whole, like a movie that's just like really that like entertaining. Yeah, and that into its like own story as well. It's just yeah. trying to like do it. And I feel like I'm good about the top on top touch on that subject because one of my next movies is by that same production company oh interesting yeah but yeah really all i have to say is colman Domingo is excellent in the movie he absolutely deserves his oscar nomination mm-hmm. but a movie that like i'm glad i saw it but i don't really feel like it's it's that strong of a film and I, it's hard to like recommend it beyond just the historical significance mm-hmm. so so um not that one but uh 
What am I doing? My next one is I Blame Society. I'm going to be real quick with this one. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, this is a movie that came out in 2020. Uh, it's by a very young, not young. It's by a very unknown director that I got very well, very some acclaim for this uh, film. And it's about a woman who's a uh, up and coming direct or not up and coming, a floundering director uh, in uh, Hollywood. And they, their friend tells them in a, com- a compliment. Uh, they're like, Oh, Hey, you'd make a good serial killer as like a backhanded joke. And then that's the whole plot of the film is she sits down her best friend. And she's like, you know, my, whatever their name said, I was a good, be a serial, good, good, be, I would be a good serial killer. And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, I would kill your girlfriend first. And she's like, you know, this is part of the film. And he's like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? That is so, and it's just this very weird meta comedy. Cause she's filming everything and doing everything. And she gets tasked to make, make a film and stuff like that. It's just so weird. It, it's very endearing, very interestingly written and it's it was just such a weird film to watch very going in blind i definitely recommend it under 90 minute weird meta comedy um uh i really like the director uh she won a uh spirit award for best film under five hundred thousand dollars at the indie spirit awards so (laughs) for this movie um, so yeah, I definitely like it. Uh, very, very feels like you're just watching someone run around with a camera. Like a previous film I talked about, uh, during our October recap, um, uh, bah, 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 murder, death, Korea town. Uh, it has that same vibe. Uh, but this one's like a com- horror comedy. Uh, very, very much fun. What was uh, this one called? I blame society. I got oh, the, right. Ooh, very quick. Lucas running over to see if he can grab this without knocking everything over. I got the brand new Blu-ray uh special edition i think it's vinegar syndrome or i don't know i oh, know i just got it uh <laughs> this is the cover um it has a way better cover than the one that i have I haven't opened it because me and omar watched it on uh dvd but yeah pretty cool uh really nice slip sleeve Ooh. yeah um definitely recommend checking this out i think it's on streaming somewhere uh it's on shutter and like amazon uh okay. yeah definitely definitely fun uh and then next is the one that was also produced by the same company as Rustin called Leave the World Behind with mm. Ethan Hawke, um, directed by, I think, a director I really like. Yeah. So this one, sadly, I really like Sam Esmail. Uh, he did Mr. Robot. I didn't like this movie. It's not that good. Um, <laughs> very, very shallow, shallow, hollow message. Kind of just felt like a film that was made to be made to be a film. Like, hey, we need a film. Here's a script. Here's a lot of money. Um, so the story behind this is that this is o- Obama's new production company, and it feels like a lot of their early films are just them padding out movies that sound good or like putting them on streaming stuff. They're just like, hey, we need something that'll interest people, and we need to like make money or just pad out our company and release these. And uh, and they're kind of just getting like you know Garner just because they're his company, obviously because he's a really big figure in America. And this one was not good. Um, it got a lot of view, a lot of people watch it because it was on Netflix. Pretty much is the only reason. Uh, and it got like all talked up on like the TV shows and all that stuff. But it's it's not that good. Really good cast though: Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, Kevin Bacon, and then some young actors. Um, the real only thing I learned from this movie uh, is that uh, physical media is awesome because that's the ending of the movie. Uh, <laughs> not to spoil it, but yeah, physical media is the way to go. So buy uh, buy your copy of I Blame Society. Uh, but yeah it was it's it was just wasn't that good it was not good um 
it's like two and a half hours almost too. It's like very much not that it feels you come out of that. Like I was very disappointed and I feel like Sam Esmail hasn't really done too much good uh, since uh, he did Mr. Robot. And so he's kind of like running around in his own shadow, just making stuff that is very much far less uh, what his capabilities seem to be. Well, uh, I'm going to do a quick recap of the last, not the last three, but um, the three movies I watched for Christmas this year. Oh, nice. Because I know some people will either care about that and some people won't. Mm-hmm. But um, I watched uh, When Harry Met Sally, which is a rewatch a film I greatly enjoy. And as I get older, I continue to really enjoy even more for its simplicity, but also just the questions it raises about relationships. And mm-hmm. it's such a cozy Christmas film, so well written and, and just just fun it, like it, it it has a lot of iconic scenes and dialogue it's a movie i love to think about from time to time mm-hmm. um a christmas story as well um one of my personal favorite christmas films i know lucas uh, uh hot take isn't a big fan <laughs> but uh one of those that i would watch every year uh on tv and then um it's one of every single scene I like every, you know, there's like probably the most quotable film, like every, like literally every scene you could quote. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, probably my favorite Christmas film though, out of the three, the last one that I, is like my, my 100% annual watch is uh Charlie Brown Christmas um, shorter. It's more of a special, but I, 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 I like to consider it a film. <laughs> um, I just think I of the Nirvana the Band the show uh, skit. I don't know if I showed you it or if you saw my Instagram story when I posted it. Mm. They did a they do a piano sessions Nirvana the Band the show uh, Blackberry director Matt Johnson uh, old show. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, uh, they have like a little skits where they'll do piano music and do stuff in the background, and one of them is Jay playing the whole song. <laughs> oh, that's it's so great! Good. I'll show it to you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that's just you know. It's a, that one hits home for me because my mom and I would watch it every year. Mm-hmm. It was the first year I watched it without her. And, uh, you know, it, it's something I just feel compelled to see for both of us. And it's, it, but it's such a classic. It's, I, I think my favorite though is, will always be, uh, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit biased being born on Halloween, but you know, <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> so that's my Christmas recap. <laughs> Rad. Yeah. Um, I'm, very far from Christmas right now. Um, so after Leave the World Behind, I watched a mo- little-known movie called A Moon Garden. Moon hmm. Garden is a dark fantasy about a five-year-old girl who ends up in a coma after an accident, and it's kind of like a labyrinth hell that Whoa. she ends up in, but it's not like mean hell. You know, it's kind of like just really creepy and weird practical effects. Um, just really cool film. Uh, if you really like uh, that, like eighties practical effects, dark fantasy stuff, it's uh, definitely definitely check it out for that. This is the guy's like first movie in twelve years, and he did this. He's an artist mostly, so it definitely feels like it falls into that because it's like all these grandiose, like creepy sets, and it has a kind of like uh, obviously like that labyrinth, kind of like that. Uh, kind of feels like a lesser of uh, like legend as well. Um, all those like weird '80s practical effects movies. Definitely check this out. Um, it's it's kind of kind of like unnerving at times. You're like, "Ooh, this is really creepy." These characters are weird. Like one of them is like this floating guy with just uh like dentures for teeth floating. But yeah, uh, the story's cute. Uh, you're really there for the visuals, but the story services what it needs to, and I enjoyed it. If you like practical stuff, as I keep saying, definitely check it out. I I like this film. Um, I'd say it's kind of like a lesser 
not as great, obviously. I love Wolf House, this movie from uh, Chile. Um, it's kind of in the vein of a lesser of that, but in the same like, kind of like cool, practical, really awesome visual effects. Um, definitely kind of like Alice in Wonderland story type. But yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely would recommend that if you want kind of a weird, quirky uh, indie movie. Um, and then after that, I watched Smoking Causes Coffee. Now this movie's freaking weird. Um, <laughs> but you're like, what the hell? Smoking Causes Coffee. Lucas. Who directed that? Uh, the guy who directed Rubber, and I, if you don't know what movie that is, this guy is a weird director. He does very <laughs> weird movies. Um, Rubber's about a sentient tire, and Smoking Causes Coughing is about a Power Rangers-esque team that is all symptoms of uh, lung cancer is their powers, and they give people lung cancer as their like, uniting power, and they die. Um, but you're like, oh, wow, that's weird. Yeah, but that's not the that's not the point of the movie. They kind of like introduce that, and then it goes into people being told stories, and you watch those stories happen. But they're being told in by this group or to this group by someone else, and it's all these just weird, insane stories. A very weird movie. It's seventy seven minutes long. Um, if you want just weird, wacky, what the hell am I watching? Smoking causes coughing is definitely there. Um, I don't know if there's that much substance. Uh, there's nothing really that you get from it. It's just freaking weird. And it's, uh, uh, Quentin Dupont. I'm bad at French. Um, Mm -hmm. just being weird like usual. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was an interesting film, but I think it fits right in its runtime perfectly. Interesting. I'll let you keep going for a bit. I only got two more. Okay. (laughs) Then I watched Maestro. I don't know if you watched that. Which one? Maestro. Did you watch that? Oh, that's on my list. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Maestro. Um, I watched this, uh, with a person and uh it was cool theater uh but i i liked it when i watched it and then i think back on it and i'm like i didn't really like that i feel like at points bradley cooper got exaggerated and i feel like you really like the music and um oh god what's her name carrie mulligan carrie mulligan thank you carrie mulligan i almost said michelle williams i always do that Uh, (laughs) carrie mulligan um in it she's so great um and she elevates bradley cooper I I found the nose distracting at time. I know that's like something <laughs> that's a big talking point with this film. It was distracting at points, but Bradley Cooper feels like a caricature at points. Caricature of like a flamboyant forties man, where he's like, "Oh, hello," you know. He's like, "How are you, my love?" And then he's like, just going to these, just doing all this stuff, and like he feels not that realistic. Though his acting in like a like when he's doing the conducting is like very well done it kind of conflates with and uh, kind of destroys his own uh, acting at other points, though there's a really great monologue between, not monologue, argument between the two characters on Thanksgiving that uh, I really like, but I feel like this movie could have been shorter. Mm. Um, I feel like that's a lot of comments uh, when I say, when I don't like a movie, but like there's, I feel like you say that when you just think a lot of stuff doesn't need to be in this film, so it could have been done a different way. But like a lot of the stuff at the summer house where he's just bringing his like boy toys over and you're just like, the family interacting with all that stuff. And you're just like, well, this doesn't really serve us that much plot that much. It's just furthering that there's a divide between the wife and the husband and Bradley Cooper. Isn't that great in this? Um, Carrie Mulligan's a more uh, interesting character. And um, I definitely feel like it's the weaker of the Oscar noms that have gotten a lot of noms this year. And that's just because the Oscars like to vote for biopics about big famous people or important things. And I feel like that's fallen into that category. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think it was that great. It yeah, was, it, it was it, it, fine. 
Yeah, it falls into that um, most Oscar bait worthy film of the year movie mm. for me. Yeah. Um, and while I like Bradley Cooper and I think it, he's a great director um, and I love Carrie Mulligan and I'm, I think she was amazing in the film. Um, it's a film that when I initially watched it, I think I, I definitely admired it more than I liked it. And I agree that it at times it does really drag. I found myself struggling to like stay awake during it mm-hmm. because at times it, it does have an elements of, it does have an element of just being boring. Um, like a, a movie that's yeah. like almost intentionally boring. <laughs> there like um, was not enough music. Yeah. And they did the music in chunks. You'd be like, Oh, here's like five minutes of just him conducting. It's like, why can't you have like it throughout like the score as well? And there's like, stuff but like i don't think cooper's directing is that great either he does a lot of the same shots because he likes them here's like here's a door transition here's a crane shot and you're like oh i've seen that two times in this film already you're kind of like falling into your same conventions for in transitions and you don't know how to get one scene to go to the next without making something fancy or musical out of it yeah i think um he does certain things really well but i i do think he struggles at times in this film to to I think he probably had a hard time managing being the face of the movie as well as being behind the camera because mm-hmm. it's a lot to ask to do that much and yeah you definitely see it especially in some of those awkward, those really awkward close up shots yes where, too many and, yeah and I think um, like Carrie Mulligan for sure does carry the film for me and and give it um, enough of a boost. Uh, to to make it through but it's yeah. a, it's definitely one of those that i don't see myself returning to i'm glad i watched it and it was really interesting to learn about um oh uh, Le- yeah leonard bernstein because mm-hmm. i forgot how much I, like how much he contributed to uh music and yeah yeah west side story yeah like, what's that story in particular yeah yeah so um, that was really interesting for me, and like kind of, that's the part of it where I'm, I feel a little biased toward it because West Side Story is one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, you want me to rattle off? Uh, I can rattle off three yeah. more to get to Christmas. Go for it. Okay, uh, this one will be really quick. At the video store was a documentary that came out in 2019. It is very good. Um, it's kind of a timepiece, which is very interesting because it's video stores right before COVID, which there weren't that many of. I watched it. Because I worked at a video store and we got mm-hmm. it there. Seventy minutes. It's just fun to see like what are video stores doing nowadays. Um, and I really liked it. Uh, uh, just, just definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, F Blockbuster because um, <laughs> it kind of gives you like a lot of people when they you know obviously like oh Blockbuster nostalgia. It's like this movie shows you like at least from a video store perspective like blockbuster is the devil redbox is the devil they're the reason why we don't have video stores anymore not because of streaming most in hand blockbuster put out almost 60 to 70 percent of mom and pop shops um before the streaming apocalypse happened uh for video stores and there would be way more around if blockbuster didn't purposefully put their stores down the road from a mom and pop video store lower their prices to insane rock bottoms because they could drive them out of business and then put their prices back up and charge you a bunch of late fees. And they're the reason that this industry kind of died uh, the way it did. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great documentary to just kind of like learn on how they are and where they're going in the future. A lot of them are going to be nonprofits or uh, are like able to survive because they're part of another business. Mm-hmm. I loved it. 
great piece. Um, then I watched Thief. My most recent five-star first watch uh, would have been Godzilla, but this. Um, five out of five. Thief is a perfect debut. Thief is a perfect movie. If it's, it's uncomfortable to watch nowadays. There's some racial slurs and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's awesome. James Caan is like one of the my favorite actors. Um, I love James Caan, and he is amazing in this. Michael Mann directed the hell out of this. Um, just the buildup and the points and the arcs and the ambiance and how it's shot. It's just amazing as a whole film. And if you haven't seen Thief, it's awesome. I saw it for the first time in theaters, which was awesome. The new 4K came out uh, from Criterion. Um, and they were showing it, and so I was just like blown away. Uh, like I, I had been wanting to watch this movie for like a couple of years, and I'm kind of glad I waited to see it in theaters, and it was amazing. I definitely am. I just definitely in like my top 100 probably now. I loved it. Uh, definitely a film that I'm biased towards just because the subject matter is just really kind of stuff I like. It's kind of like a neo noir in a sense, uh, but about a safe cracker. And just go in with that. That's what you need to know. Uh, pretty awesome. Great, great, great action and violence too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, this could be a very quick review. On Christmas Eve, I watched for probably the twentieth time. It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's probably the best Christmas movie ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's a it's it's a Wonderful Life. It's just Come a on. great film. Yeah, it's you can't you can't beat it. It's just yeah, one of the best films. Uh, just a great message and. Just great everything about it. Jimmy Stewart. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on Christmas Day, I think Christmas night, I watched They Live by Night, which was on the Criterion channel, uh, Christmas Noir. And it's about kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde couple. Um uh from nineteen fifty eight or sorry, nineteen forty eight. It's pretty fun. Um Kathy O'Donnell's the the female in it. She's kind of notable. Uh really pr- really cool you know traditional film noir cool cool environments that they're in they kind of don't just stay on the studio set like a lot of film noir do um and so they kind of go out and like do all this stuff more kind of like a doomed romance from the start but they were able to like make it through it and it's very beautiful at points um and and it's kind of cool because of the aspect of uh he's a man on the lamb he's on the run and uh that kind of makes it nice uh having that storyline well done alongside this pretty well done romance as well. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, I, but I am biased towards film noir. I like film noir. So um not, not doubting that I liked it for that reason. And mm. then I did watch this the same night. Wow. Okay. Uh, also on Christmas, I watched Babyface, <laughs> which oh. is 1933 Barbara Stanwyck. And this is a pre-code film criterion channel pre-code. Um, Barbara Stanwyck is a woman who has been uh, prostituted out by her father. Uh, then he dies as she's right before she's about to run away. She's like, Oh, I can definitely run away. And then she kind of becomes this femme fatale men get attracted to her, but she just uses them to get further in life. Uh, and it's a very short film. It's like 75 minutes. Um, and she's kind of like going up this corporate ladder, trying to get further and further. And they kind of show her like become romantically entangled with a man gets promoted to the next story or two above. And then that man is like still lambing after, her. and she's like, "I'm done with you. I'm on to the next guy." And it's kind of very promiscuous for the time because it's a pre-code film. Um, you see her in like scantily clad clothing. You see her like going to bed or like post sex with a man. It's a very you're like, "Oh wow, films like these were coming out until the Hayes Code came in." 
and uh it's pretty interesting uh but yeah barbara stanwyck is just stunning in this like jesus uh beautiful uh interesting story kind of like a woman learning that her sexuality is like a power of hers that she can use at her will um semi-progressive uh and then she kind of like actually falls in love with a man and then she's like well all i've done for myself i can still do be a career woman while also falling in love with a man and that's kind of like what she chooses to do and it's uh, yeah pretty pretty cool pretty interesting i liked it um uh the transfer was really good too that they had of it uh but yeah barbara stanwick was very very pretty back then (laughs) um do you have any more i have three more i have one more would you like a break uh, I can I can do this one because it'll be really easy. Equalizer three, better than Equalizer two, not better than Equalizer one. Good violence. Denzel Washington trying to speak Italian in Italy. Funny. Um, there's there's a crazy scene though. Some guy gets his hand chopped off. The violence was pretty good, but you're starting to get to that point where you're like Denzel, you're kind of too old to be in action movies. Uh, go back to doing some fun dramas or thrillers. Uh, but yeah, I, feel that way I watched lo- it. With- I was gonna say I feel that way looking at the poster. Yeah, yeah, I watched it with my dad, and it was fun. Um, uh, definitely, definitely, you know, that if John Wick didn't come out, I don't think we would have got two more of these movies. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely, it's, if you like the first one, you'll probably like this one more than the second one. Mm, okay. Yeah, I've still yet to see any of the Equalizer films. Oh, yeah, definitely check out the first one. It's fun. Um, so one other film, my last film of the year I watched on, I guess New Year's Eve. Yeah, because I watched it on the way home to uh, back from London. Yeah, he was uh, driving, watching a movie. <laughs> Flew. Uh, so you haven't seen this one, and it's one of my best of the years. Uh, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Mm. Um, Snub. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So um, this is probably my favorite family film of the year. Um, it, it really comes down to like a coming of age story based on the classic Judy Bloom novel. Um, but I think, you know, I, I didn't relate to Margaret and what she went through as a young woman in that age, but I related to what she went through in, um, dealing with her family dynamics because she was raised by a Jewish father and a Christian mother who both allowed her to choose whichever religion or no religion and she goes she eventually reaches an age where she starts questioning um whether she wants to uh uh, convert to either one and so she starts experimenting she goes out to with one of her grandparents to temple and then she she eventually goes to church and just starts to question like whether any of those are really something she is interested in Mm -hmm. but in the meanwhile in the backdrop is her um, well, that was more the backdrop, but the main uh, elements of the film deal with that life as a like fifteen-year-old uh, or fifteen-year-old. She like twelve, I don't remember, but she's young, <laughs> and basically going through puberty. And she just, you know, you see what like her and her friends are all into at that age, and it's just such a fun, lighthearted film that's. Um, just delightful to watch at times and uh, and also pretty dramatic when it comes to um she event- you learn that her mother doesn't talk to her parents anymore cuz because her parents are very strong devout christians and they were upset that she married a jewish man and so there's this huge you know thing that i i just was very curious in my own 
um, I wasn't raised with any religion, but I've since realized, you know, both my parents had different religious backgrounds at different times in their lives. So it's just something that really connected with me, the questioning aspect. And that's what this film really does well is questioning life and life choices Mm -hmm. and religion and all sorts of stuff. So um, very enjoyable. Uh, Back to me. Back to you. I got two. Close it out. Two. Yeah. I watched the Chinese film Goodbye Dragon Inn. It's about on a dark and rainy night. Mm -hmm. This uh, Taiwanese film or Taiwanese theater is showing an 1967 martial arts film called Dragon Inn, and that's the only movie it's showing. It's an 80-minute movie, the actual movie, Goodbye, Dragon Inn. And it's kind of like about like a methodical process of like moving on, moving past, and kind of like the the history and the people who had been in and inhabited a place and kind of like that place standing still in that part of time. It's a very slow cinema for a short film. Uh, slow cinema, a lot of long shots, long static shots of people walking around just inhabiting this space. And then there's kind of like these ghost characters, not creepy or anything. They're just like returning to this place that they once used to go to. And um, it's very interesting, very, very cool, very well done. Um, it's It feels almost like one of those cozy films. The ending's just wonderful. Um, the director, he's done some notable films that you wouldn't know the name of. I'd, uh, we were almost going to watch some of them, but we didn't. Uh, he did Rebel of the Neon God and Days. Uh, he also did The Hole, which I've always wanted to check out. Um, but yeah, I watched this one um, kind of like on a whim. I forget what it was on. It was on something for free. But um, it was it was just pretty funny. You just sit there while it's raining outside and you kind of watch this and kind of like just drift in and out of it. And it was, it was very cool. It's very like feels like a religious piece of like cinema because it's like about cinema and about like times past and kind of being in a place and moving past that or forward or reminiscing on it it was pretty really interesting not what i expected it was going to be about uh but working in a video store and kind of having that experience then as well as working uh, in a theater right now at points is really uh, really cool that one sounds really interesting. Yeah, it was. I was not expecting that at all. It was really short. It felt like it was longer just because I got so like engrossed into it. Longer in a good way. Um, and then after that, um, I didn't watch anything New Year's Eve. I don't even remember what I did New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. But um, I yeah, ended. Time, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, I ended up watching Rylane, which was one that people really talked about, um, really liking, um, as a uh, as kind of like a under uh, underseen under. Under uh, talked about uh, film from 2023, yeah, just one that wasn't been like talked about as much as it should have for a comedy. I watched it and I felt it was very fun, but it felt more like a episode of British TV rather than like a movie. Because at the mm. beginning, the movie kind of uses like funny like flashback points at points and stuff like that, and then it kind of just stops doing that when it gets to the second half. Though it's still funny in the second half, it has more of a dramatic aspect and kind of tonally, the whole film didn't feel as cohesively similar. Uh, as it could have been, uh, I really enjoyed the first half, and then kind of like when I got to the drama, the second half, like the romance and blah blah blah, I didn't, I didn't get as in into it and kind of fell out of it. Um, and then I kind of just compare it uh, to other like cool satires about like uh, romance and African uh, black, or black characters, um, and so kind of feels like a British take on like a episode of. Um, like Atlanta or like it feels very like master of none at points. Mm. Um, 
but like not as well done. Uh, mm. it, it's like this person's first. I I don't know if it was the first one, but I really, yeah, I really did like it. I just felt like I might have gone into it with higher expectation just because it has like a four on like I letterbox and like an eight on IMDb or like a really high seven. And so I was like, oh, I'm gonna really like this. And I watched it. I was like, oh, that was fun, but it like didn't feel as that as much as I could have liked it. I really did like the uh, the lead actor, uh, the lead male actor, uh, David Johnson. He was hilarious. And he's kind of like a pathetic character at first. Mm. And that was really funny. Um, and then uh, the other lady, she was she was pretty good too. Uh, Vivian Oprah. Opara. Yeah, that one um, I definitely heard about. And it was getting some awards this mm-hmm. year. So I was, yeah, I was definitely exactly. intrigued by it. Was, it was, um, I felt like, yeah, I felt like I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to like it more, but I just like wasn't as into it in the second half, but I still did enjoy it. And I feel like that if they go more and if she goes more into this and refines this direction, the director, I'll like it. I'll definitely like her later films, but uh, definitely, definitely kind of like the stuff I compared it to are more later pieces of media by those people. And I feel like she'll definitely grow into like getting stuff, maybe putting out stuff that's like as good as those. Mm. Um, once she gets to that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely it definitely is like a good building block, and I I would definitely recommend it uh, to someone to check out. They want they like rom coms, but like non traditional rom coms. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's one I, I might eventually check out. Mm-hmm. I think um, what's nice, you know, we won't take up too much more of your time here, but I think we 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 actually owed it to you guys. It's been a long time since we had an episode, so you got almost a double episode. Which yeah, this is pretty much a double episode, and also it's past half of the movies I talked about, and like, <laughs> so you could have watched one of them. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that that about does it for January, you guys, or what? December, uh, December. Still, I, I say that because we're a day away from the end of January. It's yeah. almost February. Holy crap! I feel like we'll get January out sooner, um, and some uh, more interesting movies that we might talk longer. Not more interesting, more. Um, topical movies we'll talk longer yeah. about uh i'll drop a teaser of one that we watched yesterday which is definitely iron claw and then maybe zone of interest yes um, which i plan to see tomorrow yes uh, i saw both of those yesterday and i'm i'm alive i'm alive <laughs> he's hanging in there i'm hanging i'm hanging in there he's he's about ready to turn this off and start crying uh, yeah just gonna go after... curl up into a ball and turn on something fun yeah i think that sounds like a great idea <laughs> Well, we hope all of you have had had a great end of your year and are so far having a great 2024. Um, this is going to be an interesting season of awards, um, as well as hopefully a great year for cinema, physical media. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to this year. A lot of changes coming. Um, so we're going to keep, along with watching movies, we're going to keep keeping up with everything going on in the world of cinema and film. Yes. And if there's anything in particular you want us to start talking about in addition, other topics uh, outside of just reviewing film, feel free to reach out. We certainly have our opinions on a lot of things, uh, especially things like streaming (laughs) for better or worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, with that, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say, Lucas? Uh, no, not really. Mm -hmm. Except for, yeah. If, uh, next episode our watch with us i'm thinking is going to be iron claw because we haven't talked about it so definitely check that out so you can hear our opinion on it and see if you liked it as much (laughs) or disliked it yes that's one that we 
we both really enjoyed, but we have some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> so, well, with that, everybody, I'd say it's time for us to get some rest and call it a night. Yes. Um, thanks again for watching, and we hope to be back very soon and getting back into a groove here so we can put it out more, more consistently. Yes, sir. So with that, um, you've been watching another episode of Mile a Minute Movie Talk.